What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Growth Perspective. This is episode three, and uh, today is uh, it's a little bit less organized than I have uh, had. At least my first one was my first one. I had a pretty detailed schedule of what I wanted to talk about, and and today I definitely have some things I want to talk about, but it's much more um, kind of up in the air, and I'm kind of just you know taking a step forward and. And seeing the, where it uh, takes us. Um, the big things I want to talk about today, though, are about overcoming a fear of failure and believing in yourself. And, you know, part of overcoming a fear of failure, like, failure is hard, right? Um, it's not an easy thing, no matter how much life you lived. It still sucks to mess up, like... It's just part of life. But if we're too afraid of failure, that it keeps us from doing things and from trying things, then it's an issue, right? And so we just have to figure out how failure helps us and how it can motivate us to grow, right? Um, I just want to... One story I have that uh, can kind of connect to this is when I was maybe 15 or 16, I know, I was very old, very mature. Um, it was, uh, we were at a youth camp up at the Teton Adventure Base. And one of the activities of the day is we were all climbing on this coast course. And you had to climb this ladder where the rungs were maybe five feet apart. And... You had to first be able to climb this ladder to even start the course, which was a challenge all on its own. But once you're on the course, you're up and you're in a harness, but then you're up and you're running across these logs and you've got thin wires you're running on. And when I first started, I was petrified. Like I was shaking uncontrollably. I did not want to take a step. And finally, what I decided to do is I needed to learn to trust the harness. So what I did is I was standing on the edge of that first platform. And what I decided to do was just jump off. Like no holding on to anything, no trying to save myself on the line. I was like, I'm just going to jump off so that I know that the harness is holding me. So I did. So I jumped off. And with some struggle of getting back up, I was able to then finish the course and have fun with it. Because then I knew that if I fell, that was in the end, right? I could keep moving forward. I could keep having fun. I could keep trying to go for it. And so I think that's a big part of life is that sometimes we don't know all of the consequences of failure or we're so scared of failure that we feel like if we make a mistake that that's the end. Um, but that's definitely not the case. Um, and so sometimes it's good to go big or go home. Like for me, jumping off the thing, there's no real reason for me to jump off other than to show myself that, you know, it was okay to fall and then I would be fine. And so maybe you have some big goals that there's little things in your mind that you're like, uh, I don't know, that's, that's a pretty big goal. I don't know if I can really get there. 
But I think it's important to at least try. And if you fail, then you're like, okay, that didn't work. What next? You know, if you're not asking what next after a failure, then that's also an issue. You have to be able to move forward. And that's so much easier said than done. But know that failure is never the end. And that doesn't mean that you always have to try the same thing, right? Like if I'm four foot one and I want to, you know, I have interest in, let's say, I don't know, having, I know, let's say grabbing a basketball hoop off my vertical. If you are four foot one and can grab that basketball hoop, I applaud you. That is amazing. Um, I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's something that would probably be very difficult. And I don't know if it is physically possible. I couldn't tell you. I've never tried. I've never been four foot one. At least I haven't been four foot one for long enough to attempt that. Um, but you know, if you try and try again, you know, and you choose to do something else, that's okay. You can choose to do something else. If your parents are saying that you should be a doctor, and so you go and you try biology, I've been trying biology, if you try chemistry, if you try whatever else it is, and you're just not feeling it, and you've tried hard, you've worked hard, but you know, you've had some shortcomings, that doesn't mean you have to keep doing that same old thing. Sometimes what we need to learn from failures that we can find something else, something that we can love more. But don't give up on something just because it feels like you can't do it. If you're going to give up on something, then make it be because you found something better. You found something that's going to benefit your life more than having continued on that path. Because in reality, most of the time, the best things in life are going to come from Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of perseverance and pushing through failures and, you know, just believing in yourself and believing in yourself through these hard times, um, through this, uh, this extra time that we've been given, um, I've been able to read quite a few books and one that I've been reading recently, or at least listening to is called um, How to Think and Grow Rich. And one example they give in this book um, is about, oh, I wish I had written the name down, but it's about a man who his goal was to work with Thomas Edison. He, um, all he wanted to do was work with him, not for him. And this was some outrageous goal um, that he really had no reason outwardly that he should have been able to achieve, right? But he had it set in his mind that this is what he was going to do. And so he packs as much as he can in a suitcase. He goes to Thomas Edison and he says, I want to be your partner. I want to be your business partner. And Thomas Edison kind of laughed at him and was like, well, no. But then he gave him a job. Because Thomas Edison later said 
that there was so much determination in this man that he knew that given the opportunity, he would rise to the challenge and that that would happen. So he's given the super low job doing something that Thomas Edison probably had no care for, no real need for. But he did this job so well and it put him in a place where he was close enough to Thomas Edison that he could see ideas, that he could hear what was going on, that he knew what the company was doing, what what was happening in the company and what new things Thomas Edison was trying to come up with. And so um, Thomas Edison had then made this product that nobody believed would sell. And when the other man heard about this, all he thought to himself was, oh, I know I can sell this. I know it. And so he goes to Thomas Edison. And he says, hey, I know that I can sell this product and then it can be something that can be had all over. And so Thomas Edison is like, all right, sell this product. So he goes and not only is it successful in the city, but it becomes a nationwide product. And uh, I really wish I had written this down. Um, I, I remember the story more than the details, but whatever this product was, the um, catchphrase was called invented by Edison and um, and like it was spread by this other guy. I know, super professional. I know exactly the details, but essentially what I learned from this is that, you know, you it's important to set high goals and have determination and all throughout this book, it talks about how the keys to success, the keys to rich, richness in whether it's money and just happiness in life, whatever it is, um, it says that it is outlined throughout the entire book, but it never explicitly says what those key parts are. And it talks about how vital that is and that it's important that we kind of discover that for ourselves. And some of the parts that I found from this book are, one, you have to have a true desire for something, whatever that is. And if you have that true, deep, endless desire for something, then you need perseverance because if it's truly that important to you, whatever stands in the way is not going to be very important. You're going to be able to get past those obstacles because you know how much you want whatever you're working towards. And so one thing that for me is the most difficult part of that is, you know, perseverance is one thing, but how do you know what you want? You know, I, uh, I wish that sometimes, I know, I, I don't know if I wish this because often I feel like when other people tell me to do stuff, then I don't want to do it. But if someone just came out and was like, Jesse, this is what you need to do for the rest of your life. Then part of me is like, oh, it'd be so easy because then I'd know and I could just work towards that goal and I'd be fine. But life doesn't work that way, right? 
we kind of have to figure out things for ourselves and that's the beauty of life is we get to do that we have the choice but I think like I said I don't know what it is I want to do with my life I don't know exactly the occupation that I want but I do know that I want to inspire people for change for good I know that I like to solve problems that are there. Um, and for so long, I, I never wanted to be a math teacher, but I was like, what if I just did math problems all day and got paid for it? Because I was good at math once upon a time. And I was like, I'm problem so I am problem solving and I like it and I feel accomplished. Um, I'm not as great at math as I used to be college has been you know it's hit me pretty hard but we're still surviving we're still going forward and you know as as much as I love math I don't necessarily think that's what I want to do I would much rather work with people and interact with people more often than I feel like most people doing math problems all day generally do but yeah I don't know for sure what what it is I want to do. But I've been thinking a lot about it lately. And a few things that I think have helped are, first of all, finding what it is you don't like. Because often that's easier. It's easier to start something and be like, okay, I know I'm not feeling this. This is just, this isn't for me. And so I think it's a an important step into finding what it is your passion, what it is you want to do and find these things that don't make you happy that you want out of your life and start kind of keeping track of those. And so you know kind of what to avoid and then find the simple things that really make you happy in life. You know, like if you really love the sun, think about how much you love the sun. If you really love just hanging out with your friends, Think about how much you love hang, hanging out with your friends. And you can kind of use this principle every day in your life. And so one thing that I'm going to do this week and that I would invite you guys to do as well if you're trying to find your passion, trying to find what it is you want to do, um, and that can be someone who's just graduated from high school. That can be someone who's 40 and is lost for what they want to do in life. Maybe they've been working the same job for 20 years and they need something new. Um, maybe you're 60 and you need some new aspect of life that you haven't seen before. Um, and so what I invite you to do, my invitation to you is for the next week, seven days, every night, write at least one thing that made you absolutely happy that day. Throughout your day, be thinking about, you know, like if someone texted you and it just really made you smile, if you laughed harder than you've laughed in a while, if you've, whatever it is, whatever it was that made you happy, write that down. Then two, write down one thing that did not make you happy, that you want to take out of your life. Because it doesn't make you the most happy, it doesn't make you the most rich, it doesn't make you the most whatever. And then three, 
Look for something you learned that day. Whether it was from something good, something bad, just write down something that you learned. Or maybe a new experience that you had. If you did something you had never done before, write how you felt about it. Um, and do that every day for seven days. At the end of this seven days, and I'm going to be doing this too. I wouldn't ask you guys to do something if I wasn't willing to do it myself. Um, but at the end of the seven days, take all of the things that you liked and find a, a way, several ways to connect all of them. For example, um, maybe you liked the sun. Maybe you liked hot chocolate one day. Maybe... Um, you loved getting a hug from that special someone. Maybe you loved whatever else. What's something you can connect all these? Um, they all feel make me feel warm. So I love the warmth. That's something you can connect. Um, and whatever else, I'll, I'll leave that up to your creativity to create to connect more things. And then do the same thing for all the things that you didn't like or that made you sad or that made you mad or whatever it is that week. And look at those things. And find what connects all these things and kind of the inner thoughts and the inner workings of each of these components. And so the goal of that is to find what it truly is you want and what it truly is that makes all these things make you happy or that makes all these things make you sad or mad or less happy. And once you can identify some of those key concepts then you can apply those things to whatever it is in your life that you're trying to accomplish or that you don't know that you want to accomplish and you're looking for something new. And the biggest thing about number three of writing down something you learned or something new is just to explore more things and to find more options in life if you don't know what you're doing. But once you find what it is you want, what you're passionate about, then go for it. Like... If you want to be a millionaire by 30, make that your goal and do whatever it takes to do that. You know, like if it is truly your innermost, deepest desire to be a millionaire at 30 or at 25 or at whatever age, you can do it. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That doesn't mean others aren't going to tell you it's not possible. But you got to believe in yourself. You got to not be afraid to fall. Because so, so many of the examples in this book that I'm reading, How to Think and Grow Rich, they talk about just before all these people found success came a great moment of, of trial, a great moment of failure. And failure can often be seen as a stopping point. But for these people, it's like this hill that they're trying to climb and they get to this top of the hill. And they start falling backwards. But then as they fall backwards, it's like it's like one of those roller coasters where it sends you to the top. And then it's like thinks that you're going to make it over the edge. And then you don't. But then you go backwards and you go on to like a different part of the track. I don't know if you guys have ever ridden on one of those before. Um, but ultimately, like this other part of the track ends up being like super cool and something you didn't expect. Um but ultimately, it's like um, people found their greatest success after a huge failure. And so if you have this goal 
and you feel like things are going wrong and you don't really know where to go next, just keep moving forward. Keep looking at your goal. Don't focus so much on the journey itself. Focus on the goal and whatever hard things are going on are going to be less substantial for you. You're going to be able to climb them easier because you know what your goal is. Whereas, you know, people talk a lot about how life isn't the destination. It's about the journey. And I definitely can agree with that at some point, you know, like it's important to enjoy the small moments, be present and not so focused on a future that you can't be happy now. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that as far as getting over obstacles and not being afraid to fall and not being afraid to try new things and to try different ways and to push through hard things. If you know what your goal is and it's truly important to you, then these obstacles aren't going to matter. These obstacles, although they may be hard, they're not as significant as your final goal because of how badly you want it. And so, you know, honestly, right now, for me, I think what I want is to find what I want to do. And, you know, I, I don't know what it is I want to do. But one thing I've been thinking about is um, honestly helping people find what they want to do in life. You know, like I've thought about starting this business at some point in the future where it's taking kids who have some of these leadership skills and have shown that they have a desire, that they want to succeed, but don't really know what path to go down or they don't know what tools they need to be able to succeed in whatever fields they have. And so essentially the goal of this business is to help kids who have the desire, who have the dedication, who want to succeed, help give them the tools they need and help them believe in themselves so that they can go and succeed. And so I don't know exactly the implications of that, what it is, but I know that I like working with people. I know that I love inspiring hope. I know that I love seeing other people's stories and helping people make connections. Um, and, you know, like, that's that's something that I'm doing in this podcast. I'm... I. I'm making more connections with other people. I'm getting to hear people's stories. Um, hopefully, you guys find some inspiration in this. If not, you know, that's okay. That's that's your choice. Um, not everything I say is going to stick out. But, you know, when, when you're willing to listen to others, you're willing to listen to some crazy 19-year-old's podcast, like... That shows you have at least some desire, right? And so I hope that you can take that desire to grow, to succeed in whatever part of life that is for you and dedicate yourself to whatever that is. If you want to be the best husband, you want to be the best spouse, you want to be the best cook, you want to be the best whatever it is, then make that your goal, you know? You're going to have people that come in the way and say, no, like, 
it's not really possible. Like, maybe you can be a good cook. I don't know if you can be the best cook. Go and set your new boundaries. Go and create a new way for the world to look at things, you know? Like, if that's truly your goal, that's going to happen. You're going to receive inspiration and you're going to, you know, life is going to put things um, in your possession that will help you get there if that's truly your goal. You know, like so many people are afraid of the future and are afraid. They're like, you know, like, I don't know if I can really make this goal because, you know, just I have all these obstacles in my view. How am I supposed to get over them? But if you're really trying to make a good future, you know, you make your future. Other people don't make your future. They will help. But in reality, how you want your life to be, what you want to make of your life, how you want to feel, what kind of person you want to become, that's on you. You've got to do it. You've got to go. You've got to change yourself. And hopefully, if others are smart enough and they see that, then they might change too. And, you know, this world is full of a lot of stupid people. It's, it just is. But on the other hand, it is full of so many smart and good people. And when you start making good decisions, you start showing your dedication to something, these other people who are also dedicated to their own projects, their own lives, their own growth, they're going to start finding you. And then once you find these people, in reality, it's pretty hard to do anything on your own. You have to have your own dedication. You have to have your own goal. But you have to be able to work with people. And that's part of growth is learning how to work with others so that not only you succeed and not only they succeed, but it's mutually beneficial, right? And um, another book I've been reading that I love, um, it's, it's a book about communication and conflict it's called the the anatomy of peace by the arbringer institute and i've essentially listened to this book twice in the last few days or last few weeks um and it is the only book i've ever been required to read that i have loved um i kind of mentioned before that if somebody tells me to do something that just makes me want to do it less which I am trying to get over. I'm trying to improve on. But um, all growing up, anytime my mom would give me a book to read, she's like, oh, I think you'd really like this book. I would not touch the book. I wouldn't even open it. But this book, The Anatomy of Peace, brings so much insight onto why there's so much poor conflict in the world. Um, I don't believe that conflict in itself is a bad thing. I think conflict mixed with contention can be a bad thing. But these two things aren't necessarily, they don't always go hand in hand. They're two separate identities. And so conflict can actually be a beautiful thing. Because if you truly have conflict in the right way, then that means both parties are going to be they're first going to understand the other person's needs. And second, 
they're going to find a way that it's not only a compromise, but compromise in itself can sometimes be a negative thing. We both lose this, we both lose this. But ultimately, if you use conflict in the right ways, you can both benefit and both have your needs met. And so it's just being willing to be open, to be vulnerable, to change yourself. Um, and, you know, this, this book, The Anatomy of Peace, it talks so much of the importance of changing yourself. And um, before you expect others to change. Because I, I was talking with someone the other night about, um, about health teachers and how um, it's really hard for students to listen to a health teacher when they're very overweight, drinking their 64-ounce sodas, riding their wheelchairs around because, you know, like, it's... And no offense to those beautiful health teachers, but when, you know, it's it's just very hard to want to change when the people asking you to change haven't changed themselves or they're not doing the things that they ask you to do, right? And so whenever you have a need that is met, it's okay to have some conflict because this conflict is the only way you're going to have your needs met. You need to... Let the other person understand your needs. But in order for them to change, you have to be willing to do the same thing. If you're asking them to do something, you truly have to look at yourself and say, hey, is this something I'm doing in my life? And then also realize that they don't have to change. They have their choice. But if you do things in the right way, then you can invite them to change in a healthy and I don't want to say persuasive way because I, I, I don't sometimes persuasive has a negative connotation to it, but they're just more willing to change because of how you treat them. This the anatomy of peace has so much good in the book. And if you're going to read any book to help your relationships, I, I would read the anatomy of peace. Um, but a couple key things it talks about is. There are these boxes um, that we can put ourselves in. And in every thought, every action, no matter what it is we're doing, we can either be in the box or out of the box. And when we're in the box, that's a bad thing. When we're in the box, we're seeing other people as objects. We're justifying all of our decisions. We are um, doing things with a heart at war. And when we're out of the box, then we're seeing other people as people and we're doing everything with a heart at peace. And that's the goal is for us to be out of the box. And this book explains it so much better than I could ever possibly explain it. But the goal is that we can do every action with heart at peace. The book even talks about how war can be done with a heart at peace and how this one general was, uh, I, again, small details escape my mind, but um, he conquered so much land and was so good at war because he did it with a heart at peace. 
And I don't know exactly the implications of that. I don't know exactly what was going through his head. But one example that it talked about was someone from the opposite side was um, they, they came to him and they said, hey, my wife is trapped in your guys's land and I want to help her escape and come back to my land. And he came to him like in tears and was just like, I, I love my wife so much. I want our family to be together. And he's like, okay, we will have our guards march you through and we'll, we'll get you guys out of our land safely. But you cannot um, attack any of our people or else the deal's off. So he's like, okay. So he goes and he gets his wife and then he sees that um, the people his people in another part of that land had no one to lead them. And so he said, okay, can you bring my wife to the rest of my family? I need to lead these people. And the guy said, okay, we can do that. The first deal's off. We will take your wife to your family and make sure she is safe and you can go lead your people. And this general, people would look at that and be like, what are you doing? Why are you showing them so much mercy? But because he chose to see people as people, Everyone that he conquered ended up being more willing to listen to him. And everyone that was following him wanted to follow him. They won more battles. They were better at conquering the land. And so whatever task you have, whatever needs you don't have being met, do your best to have a heart at peace. Do your best to see whatever issues are there. See these people as people. Don't see them as obstacles. Don't see them as gum stuck under your foot. See them as a person. Know that they've had a whole life of experience that is totally different from yours. And be ready to listen and to understand and to, you know, that all you can really do is invite them to change. But if you're seeing them as a person and they know that and can feel that, then these invitations you're making are going to be so much more substantial for them and are going to cause so much more impact than something where, oh, I have an issue with you. Let's fix your issue. Don't worry about that. Focus on them. Focus on them being a person and helping things go right. I think that's my favorite part of the book or at least maybe not my favorite part, but my favorite line in the book is the most important thing to do is to help things go right. And so if you have an issue with a child, if you have an issue with a sibling, if you have an issue with a spouse, whatever it is, sometimes we choose to focus so much on fixing the issue, on changing the problem, that we just end up hammering something in Worse and worse and worse and worse. Whereas if we choose to help things go right, then whatever it is we're hammering in can loosen a little bit and we can invite them to then unhinge, you know? Like, uh, an example, the, the main um, character in this book, he's the owner of a company and he is at this place because um, his son, um, his youngest son, 
has become this delinquent drug addict child where his older two children both they went to MIT they went to Harvard they were very successful and and so this man had essentially seen his child as an object for so long and he um, didn't want to really have him even be a son at this point he was so focused on fixing him that um, he would give him all sorts of punishments and whatever it is um but as this character grows throughout the book he begins to realize what he really wants is he doesn't he doesn't want to get rid of his son he doesn't want to fix the problem he wants to get rid of this anger and this hatred that he has towards his son and he starts to realize first that he has been seeing a son as an object for so long sometimes we don't even realize it the, the book emphasizes how hard it really is to even realize that we're in the box. But once we can really self-reflect, see how we're looking at a situation, then, then we can change. If we don't know we're doing something wrong, it's hard to want to change, right? And on the opposite aspect, if all we're told is you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you don't want to change because then usually that comes from someone who's not a, at a heart at peace but at a heart at war and they just want change. That's all they want. They want the other person to change. You have to change. You have to meet my needs. You have to blah, 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 whatever it is. But if you can choose to be that change, to create the best space for the invitation of change for someone else, they're so much more likely to choose to change and then their needs are going to be more met your needs are going to be more met and your relationship will build and grow and you invite them to be at a heart at peace with you if one of you is at a heart at war you're inviting the other person to be in a heart at war if you're at a heart at peace you can invite the other person to be at a heart at peace and you know this I'm starting to realize that this is quite off of where I started. Um, but ultimately, it's not, you know. Um, I I just, you know, we talk about, or I, I talk about in this podcast about going in all aspects of life. And um, I think that, you know, building relationships and seeing other people as people is going to help you succeed in whatever you do. You know, if you want to be the owner of a company, to have people who want to work for you, who do the best work for your company, who want to grow your company the most, if you are treating them all as people, and if you're showing them that you have a heart at peace, they're going to want to work for you more. They're going to want to be more productive. They're going to want to be there to grow your company, to help you and to work for you. Whereas you can do all of the same tasks with a heart at war and people won't want to work for you. They won't want to succeed. They won't want to make the most out of their minutes at work. They won't want to, whatever it is. But the more you treat people with a heart at peace, the more people are going to want to be a part of your life and are going to want to help you succeed. And the more people you have helping you succeed, the quicker success is going to come right? That's, it's just kind of like you have one hammer and one box of nails. 
and it's gonna take you a long time to build a house. If you have 20 people and a whole bunch of hammers, a whole bunch of tools, a whole bunch of everything, then you're probably gonna build a house a little faster. That's that's just how it goes. But people aren't gonna wanna help you build a house if you're treating them like the gum at the bottom of your shoe. You're treating them like the paper that is stuck on the bottom of the trash can that has been there for years because no one has bothered to actually clean the trash can. Like, whatever analogy you want to make, I just... If you want to... Kind of connecting this back to believing in yourself, believing in yourself is very important, but you also have to be believe in others. Believe that others are people that they are capable of success and that their success isn't going to be detrimental to you but then it can help you that, um, you know, if you're treating other people as people, then they're going to want to work with you and, uh, and will help you meet your goals, um, when done in the right way. And so, um, you know, I think a big thing is there, there may be people who come at you with a heart at war and tell you, um, that you can't do this, you can't do that. And, you know, growing up, it was always hard for me because you would have these people come to assemblies at your school and give you all these motivational speeches about how anything is possible. Like, you you live your dreams. You do what you want to do. But then you go and all the people close to you are like, well, yeah, you might be successful, but don't count on being that successful. Um, yeah, you, you might be... You, you might be able to get good at something, but you'll probably never be the best, you know? And it's hard when these people that you have no idea who are, are telling you this, but then some of the people closest to you are saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, like, that's probably not going to happen. And that doesn't mean that you should start treating these people worse. That's not what I mean at all. But what you have to do is you have to find your own voice. What do you say is capable of yourself not what other people have told you for years find within yourself what it is you want what it is you're capable of and go and do it because if you have that determination and if you keep pressing forward pushing through hard things getting those hard things done building relationships then whatever your goal is you're gonna get there you're gonna get there and I don't know when that's going to be. But if you truly have that desire, you focus on that desire, you focus on that shining star, that finish line, you're going to get there. You just got to keep moving forward. You got to keep through every trip, through every setback. You got to get back up. You got to move forward and understand that failure is not the end. Understand that people who are there to tell you you can't do something... Use them as motivation to say, no, I can, I can, I know I can. People who are there to, that do believe in you, rely on them. Use them to, well, don't use them, but have them be a part of your life in a way that will, one, motivate you more, or two, that they can help aid your success, and as they do so, you can then help aid them as well and build your relationship with them. Don't treat them as a tool. Treat them as a person.
who's there to help you, help you succeed, who wants you to do well. And when you find people like that in your life, oh, treat them so, 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 so well. And when you find people who aren't like that in your life, treat them so, 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 so well. Because when you treat everybody the same, you then invite more people to be at a heart at peace. Because there's people who may seem like they have a heart at war towards everything, but given the right person and the right circumstances, they can be so beneficial. They can be so helpful. They can find so much success in their own lives. But sometimes it just takes a heart at peace to help bring that out. And so if there's two invitations that I have for you guys, okay, maybe three, um, is, is one for sure, do the journal thing I said halfway through this video. Um, seven days, write down every day one thing that just made you very, very happy or happy in general if it wasn't a crazy eventful day. One thing that made you sad or mad or didn't make you happy. And one new thing you learned that day. Um, and then at the end of the week, connect all these things and find what it is that you don't like and that you want to keep out of your life and one thing that you do like. Two, do the absolute best that you can to do every action with a heart at peace. Even if it's something hard, you have to tell someone no. You have to, like, if you're the boss of your company, you have to fire somebody, you know? Don't fire them like you're throwing a log in a wood. Fire them like they're a person, you know? And Because life happens, and, you know, sometimes you have to be the bad guy. But that doesn't mean you have to be inherently bad. That doesn't mean that you have to do it with a furl in your brow, with little horns poking out of your head. No, you do everything, ev everything within your power to do everything with a heart at peace. And three, if you're looking for a book to read, read The Anatomy of Peace. I, uh, I listened to it on audiobook. I loved it that way. If you're not an audiobook person, that's okay. Um, but that... Like, I have never had a non-scriptural book impact me so much. It, um, it truly, like, I, I like to think that a lot of the aspects of the book I was already living. But there's so much that I've realized that I'm not doing. And there's so much that I realized that, um, you know, it just... It causes you to self-reflect so much and be like, okay, like what parts of my life am I doing well? And also what parts of my life am I not? And I think if you're not self-reflecting regularly, that's a huge step towards change. Because first we have to realize why and how we can change before we can change. And so... Um, this book will explain so much things so much better than I can. and um, But, um, yeah, I, I would sincerely invite you to read it. And that doesn't mean you're going to agree with every single thing that's in the book. But 
This book is by real people, about real people stories. And, you know, the people who have been running this camp for these delinquent teenagers, they've been doing it for lots of years now. And they've seen lots of success. And they've seen tons and tons of people's lives just totally change from these these points in this book. And so if you feel like none of your relationships are sustaining, if you feel like you're, you've just got all this contention in your life that isn't leaving, I would, I would sincerely recommend re- reading this book and looking at yourself, not as much at the problems around you. Look at yourself and see what it is you can do to change, what it is you can do to help invite change in others. Remember, you can never force somebody to change because if you try to force it, they're not going to want to change and usually will retaliate and make whatever issue is worse. And so, yeah, it just, you know, I, as, as much as I dislike being forced to read books, this book was for my communications class and I am so glad that I read it and I hope um, hey, if you guys don't read it, um, I'd be happy to talk about it more. Um, you can always DM me, DM the Instagram, um, ask about it and, um, that's okay. And, and I, I'd be happy to talk about it with you. And if you guys have any questions for me, pop it in the DMs, pop it, whatever, whatever your choice of communication is. Um, I want to hear from you guys and I want to hear what you guys think about the podcast, about, what I have to say, if you hate it, if you love it, whatever it is. Um, and, uh, but I'm going to keep doing this and I hope you guys are enjoying a little bit of what I have to say. And yeah, we will see you next time with our next guest. Thanks.